0: Uh, I have one funny story. It's kind of long, but it's worth it. This is a true, (laughs) (laughs) this is a real story. Absolutely 100% true. My daughter shared this with me, and I was just cracking up as she was sharing it with me. When one Texas dog lover rescued his pup, Bear, in 2010, he was shocked after grooming him to find a tiny tattoo in the canine. Appalled by the discovery, the devoted owner resolved to get a matching tattoo wholeheartedly answering the call to be his pet's closest companion. Chris Mendiola, 26, immortalized his bond with his pup with ink after heading to the tattoo parlor last Sunday to get a matching tattoo of the mysterious symbol that lied on Bear's underbelly onto his inner bicep. Brimming with pride over his recent tattoo adventure with his beloved pet, he shared their everlasting connection on social media. However... Much to his surprise, comments poured in, unveiling the unintended revelation that the symbol he proudly etched onto his body was, in fact, the notorious neuter symbol. So <laughs> true story. Chris took to Facebook to share a photo of Bear on his back revealing his tiny underbelly tattoo and a photo of himself on his back revealing the inner part of his bicep where an enlarged version of the same symbol was inked. His Facebook caption said, "For those of you who know Bear, know that he has a, he had a tattoo given to him from previous owners. It sickens me to know that people actually tattoo their pets. So tonight, I got his tattoo." But the emotional and heartwarming post quickly tumbled when his friends filled with the comment section and pointed out that his new ink was really a sign that means the dog is neutered. One friend posted, "That means he's neutered. My rescue female has one too. Makes a cool story, though." Another added. Another added, are you neutered too? <laughs> a third commented, I guess you're neutered now. <laughs> the post quickly went viral after being shared by his high school classmate on Reddit and reposted on Twitter. Another poster, another poster said, I'm going to get this tattoo after my vasectomy. That's awesome. That's Chris later explained that the dog had moved from home to home and never had a secure family to settle down with because of the pup's unsettled life it's likely a vet marked him with a neuter symbol on one of his various checkups. So the tattoo for the owner meant that he didn't condone the tattooing of animals. But next time you're thinking about getting a matching tattoo with your furry friend, maybe opt for something less ambiguous like a heart or a bone. You know, something that won't have your friends questioning if you've embraced the spayed or neutered lifestyle. <laughs> After all, it's all fun and games until your tattoo starts raising some rough R U F F questions. <laughs> True story. Oh, bless it, Lord. <laughs> all right, I want to read one verse in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So we're going to be uh, the key verse for today. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, and it's interesting. You're going to find. That almost everything that happened this morning, from the worship to the prophetic words, all tie into what the Lord told me to speak this week. Come on. Uncoordinated. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. Heavenly Father, we just pray you have your way today. Have your way in this service. God, we just ask that you direct this time that we have, the remaining time we have together. We just praise you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for all that you have for your people. And that you're leading your people into victory in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to declare to you this morning that it's time to look forward and embrace. Hello, hello! There we go. It is time to move forward and embrace all that God has for you. The past is gone. Don't look at the past. Past is over. We can't get back anything from the past. We can't go back to the past. Don't look back there. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the upward call in Christ Jesus. So you have permission to forget what lies behind. I remember I quoted that verse a couple weeks ago, and I could almost feel like, like relief in the room. Like we really do have permission to forget what lies behind. And to press forward into what God has for us. And so God said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? <clears throat> how many know that mourning's actually good it's actually healthy? That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4, he said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And so morning's good. Um, morning's a good thing to do. It's a healthy thing. I remember a few years ago, I went through a season where I realized I wasn't really in touch with, with what was happening with me emotionally. And I, it came to a head when my grandmother passed away, who was kind of like a second mom to me. She's probably the reason that I'm saved today, probably the reason I'm standing here is because of my grandma. And she passed away, and it was kind of like a road bump for me emotionally. I didn't really feel much. And a couple months later, I kind of realized, like, something was wrong. Like, I was stuck, and I, and I remembered, like, man, I really didn't feel much when my grandma passed away. And I started having this dialogue with the Lord, and he was starting to teach me how to actually just know what I'm feeling, like, feel my own emotions. Men, we're, we're often really good at kind of stuffing stuffing our emotions, not being in touch with what we're feeling. And the Lord took me on this journey where I was starting to actually identify the emotions I had, which sounds funny, but I was actually just realizing, you know, I have emotions and acknowledging them. And I had this moment with the Lord where I finally connected and I was able to mourn. And I was able to mourn my, my grandmother's passing. I was able to mourn some, some hard things that were happening in my life. And it was a huge breakthrough for me. So, mourning is good, but God will turn your mourning into dancing. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me in that season when I realized I was kind of stuck emotionally, he said, Daniel, if you don't allow yourself to mourn, you're not allowing yourself to be comforted. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So, if you're not allowing yourself to mourn, you're not allowing the comfort of the Lord to come in. So, mourning is healthy, mourning is natural. But God will turn your mourning into dancing. And so God will, will turn that into dancing. But if we don't mourn, if we don't take our griefs to God, it can become suffering. It becomes suffering. How do we know that God doesn't want us to go into suffering? Amen. Trials are normal, mourning is normal. Suffering is optional. You don't have to go into suffering. How do I know that? 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the just and for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Christ already suffered on your behalf. That's why you don't have to live a life of suffering. Mourning is normal, but suffering is optional. You don't have to suffer in your life. Christ already suffered for you. So I believe that Samuel's mourning had gone into suffering. It had gone past the point to where God had to say, stop it. (laughs) How long are you going to continue to mourn? Stop it. Time to move on. And I actually love when God speaks to me like that. Like, very directly. Like, I need that. Like, stop it. Time to move on. And so God is not telling us not to mourn, but I think his mourning had just gone past the time of of mourning, and it went into suffering. So how long are you going to mourn? He said to Samuel, it's time to put oil in your horn, and it's time to move on. How long will you mourn? How long is it appropriate to mourn? Obviously, it depends on... What happened? How long will you mourn for a lost opportunity in the past? How long will you mourn for mistakes that you've made in the past? How long will you mourn for a broken relationship? How long will you mourn over someone that's wronged you? How long will you mourn over things not turning out the way that you thought they would? How long will you mourn over getting the same tattoo as your dog had on his belly? I'm just kidding. I want to tell you, so this is what I felt. The Lord spoke to me this week, and I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what's, what's the word for this week? And immediately I heard 1 Samuel 16. And as I was reading over 1 Samuel 16, I felt like the Lord was speaking. And he says, the season of mourning is over. The season of mourning is over. The season of mourning, that broken relationship, those hard moments, those things that hurt, which it's normal to to feel pain from those things, and it's normal to grieve and to mourn. But I feel like the Lord's saying the season of mourning is over, and it's time to fill your horn with oil and go. It's time to move on. It's time to forgive. It's time to forget. It's time to move forward and advance in the Lord. So he says to him, how long are you going to mourn? Fill your horn with oil and go. Now, this is a very powerful statement, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit for you. In Scripture, oil symbolized the Holy Spirit. It symbolized wealth, abundance, health, stability, and energy. And I want to declare for you, God has fresh oil for you in this season. God has fresh life for you, fresh oil for you in this season. You know, many years ago, when I was pretty young, I had a car that uh, it didn't put oil in it. And how many know what happens when you don't put oil in your car? It dies. Like dead, like never coming back, bye-bye car. And I remember taking it to my mechanic, and um, we discovered that what, that's what had happened. There's no oil, the engine sees up, and then, and then your car's dead permanently. And I remember he was embarrassed for me. I was embarrassed, but he was embarrassed for me. <laughs> and I remember he looked at me and he goes, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> 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 and then I felt even more embarrassed. I was like, wow, this must be a really embarrassing thing to do. So anyway. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. We'll keep it in this room. God loves you. Shh, we'll just keep that between us. So if your car doesn't have oil, it dies. It seizes up. And you need oil. Yes. And God has fresh oil for you in this season. Fresh life. Fresh abundance. Fresh revelation. Fresh wave of his spirit. The oil represents the Holy Spirit many times in Scripture. He has a fresh wave of his Holy Spirit. Man, since we've been doing this fast, I've just felt like this fresh wave of the presence of the Lord. Fresh wave of the Holy Spirit. It's been so refreshing. God has fresh oil for you in this season. He says the time of mourning is done. The time of mourning, those lost opportunities. That is over because it will, if you hold on to those old things, it's going to keep you from where he's moving us ahead in this next season. The enemy always wants us to keep in the rearview mirror of life instead of looking at all of what's in front of us. Amen. Oil also had a sanctifying and a cleansing property to it. And I want to tell you, God wants to wash away the pain and the grief of the past seasons and fill you afresh. Whenever someone poured oil on something in the Bible, they had set that object apart as blessed of the Lord. And I want to tell you, the past is over, and your current status is this, blessed. Blessed. Remember when I don't know if I don't think they do anymore, but remember I think it was Facebook. It's like you could say, My current status is happy or sad. Your current your constant current status in the kingdom is blessed. Your constant current status in the kingdom is favored of God. You're favored of God. And He has fresh oil for you in this next season. Amen. Fresh revelation. You've been set apart, and you've been blessed of the Lord. Time to move forward in the Holy Spirit. Time to move forward in financial blessing. Time to move forward in abundance, in health, and stability. Amen. Life is a spiritual journey. Amen? It's a spiritual journey. And when we're on that journey with the Lord, we know that it's going to be blessed. We really go from glory to glory to glory to glory. In Proverbs, it says, the righteous are like the light of dawn that get brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day. So it's time to move forward in the Lord. Time to let go of the hurt. Time to forgive because God has fresh oil. So I want to give you three thoughts to get you started right in the new year. Just three things I feel like God put on my heart. Three thoughts for the new year. Number one is first fruits. Yes, I'm going to talk about tithing for a minute, but not just tithing your money. I want to talk about tithing your time. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, honor the Lord with your possessions And with the first fruits of all your increase. So this isn't just about being faithful in your tithes and offerings, but with all your increase. And then the scripture goes on to say, so that, say so that, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What does that mean? Your barns will be filled with plenty. That's provision more than enough, more than you need, so that you have an abundance to bless others around you. More than enough. One of the things that Joy and I pray, we haven't prayed in a while, maybe we need to get back to this, is so we'd like say, Lord, we want to be so blessed that we can bless people in, in $1,000 increments. Like, Lord, this family needs to be blessed. Here's $1,000. Lord, this thing over here needs needs money. Here's $1,000. You have to be blessed beyond your need so that you can actually be a blessing. This is what the scripture says. Your barns will be filled with plenty. That means more than you need. And your vats will overflow with new wine. What's new wine? Joy. Joy. This is God's will for you. This is God's plan for you. He wants you to be blessed way beyond what you need, and he wants you to be filled with his joy, with his peace. Amen? Amen. So giving back to God a portion. By the way, that's what the tithe is. It's just giving back to God a portion of what he's given to us. And I'll tell you a secret. That's actually the easy part. It just takes one decision in that. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to give God a portion of what he's given to me. That's the easy part. You know, to quote Bill Johnson, <laughs> this may not sound like Bill Johnson, but I heard him say this once. He goes, so, oh, so you tithe? Congratulations, you're not robbing God. <laughs> so it really is the easy part. It just make, takes one decision like, Lord... All of it is yours. You've blessed me with everything, and I'm going to give back to you a a portion of what you've given to me. Amen. You have permission to put God to the test in this area. Yeah. The most blessed people that I've met in life, without exception, were tithers. And I'm not just talking about financially blessed. I'm talking about... Blessed in finances, blessed in their family, blessed in their children, blessed with peace, walking in joy. They're like Abraham. We've been reading Genesis at home. And it says about Abraham at the end of his life, he said he died full of years. And a lot of translations say full of years and fully satisfied. Like the people that you see living lives like that, where they're, they're living full lives. It's like hand, across the board, all of them are tithers that I know. All of them are givers. So you have permission to put God to the test in this. And I want to challenge you. If you've never stepped into tithing, give God three months. And I've never heard, I've I've issued this challenge many times. I've never heard one person come back to me and say, man, I really wish I hadn't tithed. But I've heard the opposite many, many, many times. I've heard this phrase a lot. Man, tithing works. (laughs) Since I've been tithing, this situation turned around in my life. Since I've been tithing, this thing came through that I'd been waiting for. So I I challenge you to test God in this. He says, test me. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing beyond what you can contain. He wants to fill you up. Amen. Amen. So tithing is the easy part. It just takes one decision, and then God opens up the windows of heaven over you. But what about tithing our time to the Lord? Let me put it this way. Are we willing to give our time, to give of our time, or only when we get paid for it? Are we willing to give some of our time to the Lord, or only if it serves our own interest? Oh, it's getting real. Are we willing to give our time to sit down with someone and encourage them in the Lord? Are we willing to give our time and mentor someone in an area that we're doing well in, but they're struggling in? This is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. If you're struggling in your finances, find someone here who's not. And say, hey, could you mentor me? Could you help me? Could you speak into my life? There are so many spiritual mothers and fathers here that would love to do something like that. If you're struggling in your marriage, find someone who's not. Help us. Hey, what? Could you help us? Could you speak into our life and our marriage? This is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And we need to be willing to invest in other people. Amen? Yeah. Need to be willing to invest in areas where we need help in, where others need help in. Just trying to figure out where I want to go. You know, when we moved into this building, our finances increased, our bills increased by two and a half times. And it's a huge faith move. And it still is, to be honest. We're just expecting, we're believing God said move, and we did what he said, and now we're like, okay, God, you're going to provide and there's, um, there's actually our old pastor. My wife and I, we've only been to two churches in our adult life. Like, we went to one church for 10 years, and then we started this church, and we've been here for 11 years. And our old pastor, he was, he's very wise in, in finances. And ever since we moved into this building, especially when there's a little bit more things going on fan, financially, we, we expanded a lot. I've been picking his brain, and he's been super willing to help every time I talk to him. And to pour into me with, with the knowledge that he has. And it's been really refreshing. You know, he doesn't have to do that. He's got a lot going on in his life. But he knows the value of pouring in to someone else, donating his time, giving of himself to bless someone else. This is the kingdom. By the way, he's going to be speaking here in two weeks, and he's going to be speaking on finances. If there's Now, I'll be totally just real with you guys. If there's one person I know in my life that you'd want to get advice on finances, it's this guy. So don't miss that. Two weeks from now. <laughs> Are we willing to give of our time to others and invest in something other than ourselves? I want to embarrass Diane and Ken Bach for a minute. <laughs> Those two have poured so much of their time and their life their talent and their gifts into this church and into the people of this church. They're the very definition of people who are not just living a life of serving themselves, but they're living a life of serving others. Are we willing to serve our church community? (laughs) It is said that in most churches, 15% do 15% of the people do 95% of the work. Let's not let that be true in our church. Amen. Look for ways in 2024 to tithe your time into something. Tithe your time into something. Don't be, I'm only going to do things that I get paid to do. I'm only going to invest my time where it serves my own interest. But being kingdom-minded is looking for ways to tithe your time. In in areas that don't serve your interests and that will bless someone else, Amen? Amen. Proverbs three nine and ten again, the same verse I just read. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What happens when you do these things, when you tithe of your income, when you tithe of your time, when you're giving of all of all out of all of your increase that God's given you? What, here's what happens, overflowing provision, overflowing joy. Amen? I want to talk about fasting for a minute. Now, we're at the beginning of a 24-day fast. We're fasting up till January 31st. And I just want to give a plug for fasting. Um, Ever since we started doing it, I have just felt such an increase of the presence of God. It's been so refreshing. And, you know, at night, I usually pray in the morning, and I usually read the word at night. But at night, I've been just like... Just like going to bed, just praying, and I felt I feel the presence of God just hit so strongly, and I'm like, this is this is new. Like I usually pray more in the morning, but I'm like, wow, this is powerful. Like some, and I know it's tied with fasting. I'm like, something's happening here. So I'm just praying at night. And by the way, it's it's good to pray for your needs. How many know the Bible says you have not because you ask not. But also, it's good sometimes to have prayers at a time where you're just, like, praising God. And at night, I've just been, like, putting my hands out. And by the way, this is a great practice. If you want to just practice, like, seeing the presence come, just put your hands out and just say, Holy Spirit, come. And then just start to praise him. God, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for the blood. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that your perfect love casts out fear. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the convictor of righteousness. And just start to praise him, and you just feel the presence come. And it's just been so awesome since we started fasting. Fasting removes distractions and helps you become focused on the one thing that matters most. What's the one thing that matters most? This connection with Jesus, this connection with the Father. Everything flows out of this, this connection with the Father. Everything flows out of that. Matthew 6.22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. In many translations, it says if your eye is singular, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is focused on the one thing, singular, like this is the one thing. This relationship with the Father. Lastly, I want to talk about fear. We're talking about getting started off right this year. (laughs) Getting started off right. This is an election year. I've been in ministry for about 16 years, and I've been through enough election cycles to see a road bump or a pitfall that happens around election time. I, I see fear come on many Christians. Like, what's going to happen in the future? What happens if, if my person doesn't get elected? And I see this fear that comes over people. I felt it bef- right before the last election. I felt this. It was I remember it was in October, right before the last election. And I felt this fear hit me. And it's like, oh, no, what if this? What if that? And I remember going to the Lord and just saying, Lord, I'm just taking this to you. Like, what do you want me to do with this? And and the Lord spoke to me really clearly, and he said, Daniel, I'm taking care of you and your family and providing for you no matter what happens in the government. How many know that no no matter what happens in November, Jesus is still on the throne? Jesus is still on the throne, and the enemy wants us to go into fear. How, How many know the Bible actually says fear is sin? And so we actually go into this place. Another word for fear is unbelief. We leave faith and we go into fear. And I want to tell you that I don't think that word that God gave me was just for me. Everybody here, if you're a believer in Christ, God is protecting you and providing for you and your family no matter what happens. The Bible, it's full of stories of people thriving in tumultuous times. And I'm not prophesying that, but I'm saying no matter what happens, God is going to cause you to thrive. Is, is is what happens important? Yes. Should we vote? Yes. Absolutely. But the enemy's tool, he, he, he knows he can't sway us. Like, I believe abortion is wrong. I believe it's wrong. I believe that it's just as wrong as in the Old Testament, sacrificing children to Moloch—I right, right. think it's wrong—and my conviction on that's never going to change. But the enemy, what he wants me to do, is get offended at people that disagree with me, mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm in sin. Right. And so we got to stay in this place of faith and stay out of fear in this coming season. Amen. Joy, could you come up? We're going to close. But I, I want to read uh, three verses in Isaiah 61. And this is actually a parallel passage to what we read today, 1 Samuel 16. This is parallel to what God said to Samuel. How long are you going to mourn? Fill your horn with oil and Go. Isaiah 61 says this. I'm going to read the first three verses. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the humble. You see the anointing? That's the oil. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to to proclaim release to the captives and freedom to prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, there's the mourning, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified." The morning season is over. The Lord is saying, fill your horn with oil and go. He has fresh oil for you in this season. He has the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. And you're going to be called oaks of righteousness. Amen. Amen. Let your roots go down deep this year in the Lord. I believe this is a year of the Lord's favor I believe this is a year of getting more of what God has for you and stepping into the more of God.